all in. We want you to be all in. And as we go through, as we talked about before, the first half of Ephesians talks about the doctrine and, and who we are in Christ. And then the last part of that talks about as a result of us being in Christ, this is what we do. And so as we go through and we look at all the things, that all the spiritual blessings that we have by being in Christ, I want that to encourage you. I want that to, to build you up because I want you to feel like, hey, now I can be all in because I am in Christ. And today we're going to be looking at the inheritance in Christ, and we'll be in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through 12. And so if you'd like to open up your Bibles there, uh, you're more than welcome to do so, or you can follow along. But I uh, encourage you to do so. Now, um, God provides an inheritance for those who are in Christ. God provides an inheritance for those who are in Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are grateful for all the spiritual blessings that we have by being in Christ. And so, Lord, as we go through some of those here today, Lord, I pray that you would Give us insight, Lord. Give us wisdom. Help us to apply those to our lives. And Lord, also just help us to, to get excited about the inheritance that we have in you. And we're grateful, Lord, how you prepared all things for us. And so, Lord, give us insight and wisdom. And um, help us, Lord, this morning as we preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was young, um, I would oftentimes compare my life to other kids. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, you know, my life and, and the things that I had. Now, you know, my parents weren't rich, but they weren't poor either. Uh, they provided for everything that we needed, everything that I need. Uh, you know, I had food, I had clothes, I had, you know, schooling, education and whatnot. So they provided everything I needed. Uh, and they gave us, a, 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 and now I look back, they gave us a really good life. Uh, but as a child, sometimes you're not really content with your lifestyle, especially when you start looking at all the other kids and seeing what they have and all the toys that they have. And, and you're like, oh, man, hey, I'd like to have one of those. Or, oh, it would be nice to have one of those. And we begin to long after the things of other kids. And, and I had a friend of mine uh, who was actually much older than me, uh, but we were friends nonetheless. And um, he had this uh, sweet ride, man. It was a, a 250 Kawasaki. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I wish I had one of those. Oh, that looks so good. And, uh, and I was actually too small to ride it anyway, but I wanted one. And uh, I would watch him as he rides, and he would do all the jumps and things like that on his dirt bike. And, and, uh, and also, you know, he would do wheelies down the road. You know, this guy was uh, pretty talented. And I would just sit there in amaze. And I was like, oh, man, I'd love to have one of those. What I wouldn't give for a 250 Kawasaki dirt bike. And so one day I was talking to him about it, and I said, well, how much do one of these, things, one of these cost anyway? He told me how much it was, and I'm sitting there adding up all my allowances, and I'm thinking, man, I, I'm never going to be able to afford that. I mean, this is way out of my price range. And he says, well, you know what? I wouldn't have been able to afford it either if it wasn't, been, if it wasn't for my inheritance. I thought, ooh, inheritance. Well, this sounds interesting. Uh, I wasn't the, the sharpest kid on the block, um, and uh, I wasn't very studious as I, I was growing up, and I've heard the, the term inheritance, but I really didn't fully understand inheritance. I was like, oh, you got inheritance. Hey, where can I get inheritance? And then he goes and explained to me about a tragic car accident that his parents were involved in. And as a result of that, now that he had reached a certain age, he had access to his inheritance. And one of the things he did with that money is that he went and bought a dirt bike with it. And I got to thinking about that, and I said, 
I don't know if I want a dirt bike. That dirt bike seems to have lost its appeal now. I mean, the price is too great. If my parents has to die before, before I can get an inheritance and then take that inheritance to go and buy a dirt bike, it's really not worth it to me. The price is too great. So my earthly inheritance is not something I'm looking forward to. Thankfully, my parents are still alive. The price is too great. It's not worth it. However, because the price has already been paid regarding my heavenly inheritance, that's an inheritance I can get excited about. That's an inheritance that I can look forward to. And I pray and hope that you do the same here as well. But notice, first, and, and number one, God arranged our inheritance in the fullness of time. He arranged our inheritance in the fullness of time. Look in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. That in that dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Notice that. It is in Him. This is what we're talking about. This whole series is talking about being in Christ, in Him. But he talks about bringing all things together. Now, why is that necessary? Well, there was an establishing of separation way back when. Uh, there is a, a need for all things in heaven and earth to be brought back together. You see, whenever sin happened in our world, there was a separation that took place. And man no longer was walking in communion with God. And as a result of that, we see the effects of this separation. You now have two governments. You have the devil's government. The Bible talks about him being the prince of this world. And he has his angels and, and uh, his, his military, uh, his demonic military uh, spiritual uh, uh, followers. And a third of the angels left with him. Whenever he got kicked out of heaven, they got kicked out with him as well because they chose to follow Satan. So he's got his government that's at work in our world today. And this is why we see such chaos and, and, and violence in our world today. But there's also another government, and that's God's government. Now, since the fall of Satan... From heaven, these two governments have been warring with one another. They have been battling with one another. In fact, there's an interesting verse in Daniel where he talks about how he was praying and he was praying and he was praying and could not get an answer. And then finally, the angel shows up and he says, Hey, I would have been here earlier, but I was doing battle. I was fighting with some other angels. I had to get some backup. And so it gives us a little bit of insight into the spiritual battles that take place in our world. You see, in our Western world, we have sort of this concept and idea, here we are down here, we're just living our lives down here, and up there is the spiritual, and, and there are things are happening in the spiritual realm way up there. But it's interesting, if you go to other parts of the world, you will see there are some areas where the spiritual and the physical actually mingle together. In fact, I've watched some videos from some of the uh, missionaries and things over the years, and you know, I've seen uh, these guys that come out, and they're, they're, they paint themselves white, and the reason why they do that is because that's an invitation for demons to come in and possess them. And we see them get possessed, and they throw themselves into the, the bushes and fires and things, and they just act very erratic when that happens. There is a mingling of the spiritual and the physical world, but sometimes we want to keep the two separated. You know, let God do his things up here, and we'll do our things down here. But even the Bible talks about wherever two or three are gathered, Christ here, he is in the midst of us. He is here with us. There is a, a coming together of the physical and the spiritual. But also, there is spiritual separation. 
uh, ever since sin came into the world, things have been falling apart. Have you noticed that? Things have been falling apart. It's happened. Uh, first, uh, man was separated from God in Genesis chapter 3. And then man was separated from man as Cain killed his brother Abel in Genesis chapter 4. We see another separation there. And then people try to maintain some kind of unity by, by building a tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, which is not what God had commanded them to do. He wanted them to separate and replenish the earth, but they wanted to come together and build a tower to God themselves. And so as a result of that, God judged them, and he changed their, their, their language so they couldn't communicate with each other, and they had to scatter across the world. And then God called Abraham, and he put a difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. A difference that was maintained until Christ's death on the cross. And then we see the introduction to the church. And this is where there is no Jew and Gentiles. We all come together under the one body of Jesus Christ. And, and, and we come together and there is no difference between us. There's only one. But because of this separation that's taken place, one day there will be an end of this separation. And this is what this verse is talking about. Sin has torn everything apart, but in Christ, God will gather everything together in the culmination of the ages. There will come a day when, in that dispensation of the fullness of time, when God will gather all things in Christ unto himself. He will gather his church, his bride, and we will be together with him. And, the, and, and it'll be a time where God will make Christ's enemy his footstool. And that is when we will all receive our full inheritance. Our full inheritance. Therefore, there is a need to bring all things back together, as Ephesians says here. But also, there needs to be some authenticating of our inheritance for family members. Authenticating our inheritance for family members. Notice here in the first part of verse 11, there it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Notice that is, it is in him. You see, there must be an admission into the family. And I use the word admission because it sort of has the connotation of a payment. And unlike an inheritance, someone has to die in order to receive an inheritance in most cases. And so Jesus went to the cross and he died so that we could enjoy the inheritance that God has for us. Christ doesn't just give us our inheritance. It cost him his life. There was a price that had to be paid for this inheritance. But in order for that to happen, that now allows us admittance into the family. You see, there are a number of ways that uh, one can enter into the family. Uh, you can be born into the family. You can be adopted into the family. You can surrogate mothers now. can birth the child uh, for the family. Obviously, there's a lot of things out there that you can actually expand your family. But to be part of God's family... One has to be born again. One has to be born again. Nicodemus had a conversation with Jesus. And they were talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, uh, Nicodemus says, well, how can I get access to the kingdom of heaven? I'd really, I'd really like to, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and he, was, he was talking about that with Jesus. And Jesus, he, he, Jesus says, well, there's only one way that's going to happen. There's only one way into the kingdom of God. He told him that unless you be born again, you would not see the kingdom of God. Unless you were born again, you would not see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus fully didn't understand what, uh, what he meant by that. 
I mean, Nicodemus was thinking, you know, how can a man be born when he is old? And can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? I mean, you think you can see the wheels going on in Nicodemus's head. Hey, I'm an old guy here. I mean, even if you weren't, even if you were a little kid, can you, can you the thought of actually going back into the womb of a mother and being born again? I mean, I see some of you mothers cringing out there right now. You know, it was bad the first time. Now you're talking about, you know, full grown adult. You kidding me? But he didn't understand. He didn't have that concept. He didn't know what Jesus was talking about. And so Jesus replies to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which is a physical birth, and of the Spirit, which is a spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. See, interest into our earthly family can be achieved through a physical birth. However, not everyone is God's children. Do you hear people say that sometimes? Well, everybody's God's children. Well, actually, no, that's not the case. Because in order to be God's children, you must be a part of God's family. And if you're not part of God's family, then you're not a child of God. Now, we are all God's creation, but we're not all children. You see, entrance into the God's family requires a spiritual birth. Again, he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And if we want a spiritual family, if we want a spiritual inheritance, then we must have a spiritual birth. And this only comes through Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our entrance into the family of God only comes through Jesus. And there are some that have a problem with this. They have a problem with this because they believe that there's more than one way to get to heaven. They think that we're sort of narrow-minded here. And, and they believe that, that God goes by many names and that all religions lead to God. I mean, God's a loving God, so it doesn't matter what name you put on it. He understands as long as we're, we're looking after some God. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll let us into heaven. That's their thinking. That's what their, their process is. But the scriptures tell us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, there's a difference between the physical birth and the spiritual birth. And in order to have a physical birth, it requires a sperm and an egg. And I don't know anybody in our world that would dispute that. You've got to have a sperm and an egg in order to have a physical life, in order to have birth. It requires a sperm and an egg. And when you join those two together, you get life. Now, whether that's in a test tube or whether that's in a human body, it doesn't matter. There is still only one way to produce physical life. Now, if we can accept that, that there's only one way to produce a physical life, then why can't we accept the fact that there's only one way to have spiritual life, to be spiritually born. I mean, it just fits the order of everything that God has already created. And so when we have an understanding of that, we need to, stand, we need to understand that, that in order to be spiritually born, we have to have one birth, and that comes through Jesus Christ. So if you want spiritual life, you've got to be spiritually born. There's only one way to spiritual life, and that is to be born again through Jesus Christ. And this is why the scripture says that our inheritance is in him. It is in Christ. Notice that. It is in Christ. Uh, there's a, it's not in religion. It's, it's not in a God. It's not in nature. 
It's not in Buddha. It's not in Confucius or Joseph Smith or Muhammad or any other religious leaders that we see in our world today. The scripture says that our inheritance is wrapped up in the one person, and that is Jesus Christ. And being born again gives us access into the family. It gives us access into the family. Once someone is part of the family, then they can have a legal right to an inheritance. Adoption gives us the legal rights as children of God, not just to our inheritance, but also to the privileges of this life as well. While I was in the States, we went and uh, visited around different churches, and we preached at different places and different conferences and things. And I had a friend of mine who was actually a missionary to the Seminole Indians. And um, he, asked, he invited me to come out and, and to, to go and meet with the Seminole Indians and to uh, preach at the, the churches there he had. And so uh, he invited us to come out. So we went on the, rev- uh, the, the reservation there. And it's interesting because I, I was sort of, uh, I had in my mind, I've never been on a reservation before, so I had in my mind there'd be like all these little teepees all over the place and things, you know. And uh, that's what I was expecting, you know, talking about Seminole Indians. And, and so I went out there and actually, no, they're very modern buildings and, and schools and places and everything else. So they've got, they've got all the modern stuff that's out there. And so I got a chance to meet some of the Seminole Indian people out there and actually got to meet the chief as well um, and uh, he's a super nice guy but he also he's also the one that goes and and wrestles the alligators as well and so he sticks his head in the alligator's mouth and things and he did tell us of a time where he uh, forgot to wipe his brow before he stuck his head in there and a, a little drop of sweat dropped and hit the tongue and closed his closed his, uh, closed his mouth on his head and so they had to struggle to get it out but you know all kinds of cool stories like that but also, um, I was, uh, they, they put us up in a house, and the house was beside an airport, and this is where he kept his Learjet uh, he bought from King Hussein for $31 million. And also, this is where he kept his three helicopters that he takes to and from work every day. And so, uh, we got to hear that as we, but they, they had us a, a place to stay. It wasn't well kept. Uh, some of the plumbing was all rusted out, and so as you wash your hands, it would just go into a bucket, and you have to go and dump the bucket. But man, the refrigerator, it was packed full of meat. I mean, you're talking about this meat lover's dream, man. Just slabs and slabs of meat. You couldn't hardly get anything else in there. Just all meat. And they said, yeah, you're welcome to have anything you want there, you know. And so uh, they were very kind to us and very nice to us. And, and they took us on uh, some, uh, some adventures as well. Uh, we got a chance to go on to an airboat ride, uh, which was kind of cool, but it was a little bit um, daunting for us as well because we had a little Austin with us, and uh, we pulled up beside you know some of the crocodiles there, and uh, Austin wants to keep reaching out and petting the the, the crocodiles, we had to, you know, pull them back in, stop, son, stop, you know. So we had to keep an eye on him because otherwise uh, they would uh, have him for a snack. Uh, we did the, the big uh, the, the uh, uh, swamp buggy ride. They get on these big, huge. Uh, 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 trucks like the big tires and went through all the swamps and things and uh, he was going through and, and pointing out different things out, out in the swamp where they used to live in the huts and things he says you know there was a time when there wasn't a lot of food out there and so it was very difficult to find a, uh, a fat Indian in those days he said but today it's, it's very difficult to find a skinny one <laughs> and, th- and there's a reason for that um, it's because uh, the Seminole Indians are, are very rich um, they don't have a lot of the restrictions that the, the other nation has, and they're able to actually have casinos and things um, on, the, on uh, the reservation there. And so they have about seven or eight casinos. And the net uh, amounts for those casinos are about $2.5 billion a year. And today, every man and woman and child of the Seminole tribe, they receive a biweekly dividend payment totaling about $128,000 a year. 
just for being seminal. If you're a quarter seminal, then you get a biweekly dividend that reaches $128,000 a year. And so while we were there, man, they're all driving around in Lincoln Navigators and Harley Davidsons, uh, and, and uh, you go to their houses, and they got, you know, satellite after satellite, so they get about probably everything that's, uh, it's, it could be on TV. They get it on their TV. But it's interesting, they've got these, uh, 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 these houses that are sort of run down, and, and the, the grass is up to about their hips, and, and uh, all the Lincoln Navigators that quit working, they've got them on blocks out in the front yard, and, and they, they just, uh, just throw away money. And as you, as you go through town, they have these signs that says, we work too hard to die at our own hands. And I asked one of the, uh, the Indians there, I said, what do you mean by that? What's, that? what's that about? And he says, we have a real problem with drugs and alcohol here on the reservation. Because of the fact they have so much money, they don't have to work a day in their life. They've got so much money, they just go and blow it. And as a result of that, they go and ha- they're, they're really r- real problems with drug and alcohol. And a lot of the Indians are dying as a result of that. And suicide is actually quite high as well. But because of that, um, you know, uh, a, a child, by, by the time they turn 18, uh, she's already a multimillionaire thanks to the tribal trust that prevent children and their parents from touching the funds until adulthood. So can you imagine, as soon as you hit 18 years of age, bam, you're a millionaire. Well, that's what they get to do. And so as we think about that, uh, my, my, one of my friends, uh, my wife's friends, uh, her name is, is Lana, and one of her, she's, she, she goes, uh, uh, she tests blood and things like that in labs and whatnot, and her greatest, her biggest client is the Seminole Indians because there's a lot of people that rock up and say, hey, I'm Seminole, you know, you know they, they, they want to go and pretend, to, hey, I'm Seminole, you know, because they want a piece of that. And so uh, you have to be quarter Seminole, so she goes and tests all the blood to make sure that they are legit so that they can get part of this, they can get part of this dividend. Now, there are privileges being a part of a Seminole tribe. But that doesn't compare with the privileges that we receive by being a part of the family of God. You see, we are in Christ. And that means so much more. We are in Christ. We have the Spirit of God living within us. And so the privileges and benefits that we have by living in Christ, they are for now, but our inheritance is still yet in the future. But notice also, God authorized our inheritance in the future. And uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11, the second part there, it says, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. You see, we were formerly predestined. And we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't rehash all of that here today. If you want to, you can go back and listen to the old sermons and, and get a little more information on that. But you and I were chosen before the foundation of the world. God looked down through time, and he knew in advance, based on his foreknowledge, who would accept Jesus, and he chose them to be joint heirs with Jesus before we were even created. That, that's amazing to me. It's fascinating. But also, he did that because he knew that we have a future purpose. We have a future purpose. Long before you were created, God had a plan and a purpose for your life. Long before you were created, God had a purpose and plan for your life. You know what that means? That means we're not a a cosmic accident. You know, we're not here by random chance. God had a purpose and plan for our lives, and that purpose and plan is fulfilled when we are in Christ. Many have tried to find their place and purpose in this world, 
apart from Christ, but they are, are rarely satisfied. You see, we are created in God's image, and therefore our purpose is found in Christ. We were created with this spiritual uh, void in our lives that only Jesus Christ can fill. And I know so many people try to fill that void with other things in order to try to get the satisfaction out of life. But it doesn't sustain. Harrison Ford, many of you know who Harrison Ford is, Indiana Jones, and he's done several other movies, and some of the movies have been really kind of cool, and some of them are probably not so cool. And, and so, uh, depending on how you feel about Harrison Ford, I mean, he was a, a very, um, uh, very well-known, famous actor, and he was a very successful actor, and he still is today. Uh, but whenever he was at the peak of his career, I mean, he's got... Um, uh, uh, movies that, that got all the accolades and things, and, and he was making uh, probably one of the highest paid actors at that time, and he's at the house, wife, I mean, he, he had it all. You name it, he had it. And uh, uh, we had a, uh, there was an interviewer that sat down with him, and they said, hey, you know, Harrison, man, you've got everything you could possibly want. Started naming up all the, the things that he's done. He says, you've got everything you could possibly want. What else do you want? And he sat there and thought for just a moment. And I'll never forget his response. He said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You see, no matter what we have in this life, it will never satisfy. Because we are spiritual beings. And that satisfaction can only come when we are, we are found in Christ Jesus. Now, the New King James Version here, this verse reads, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. However, there is another translation as well that says, in whom also we are made an inheritance. And both translations are actually correct. Both are true. One includes the other. You see, in Christ, we have a wonderful inheritance. And in Christ, we are an inheritance. We are His inheritance. We are valuable to Him. I mean, think of the price that God had to pay in order to purchase us and to make us part of His inheritance. God the Son is the Father's love gift to us. And we are the Father's love gift to His Son. If you go through and read through John chapter 17, you'll notice how many times that Christ calls us, those whom thou hast given to me. Those whom thou hast given to me. We are His. We belong to Him. You see, the, the, the church is the Christ's body in, in Ephesians chapter 1. And also he talks about us being the temple of, of Christ, the temple of God. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, he is the cornerstone. And also we are the bride of Christ in Ephesians chapter 5. Christ's future inheritance is wrapped up in his church. It is wrapped up in you and I here this morning. We are his inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ in Romans chapter 8 verse 17 tells us which means that he cannot claim his inheritance apart from us. What a fabulous truth that is here this morning. But this is all about the Father's prerogative. Sometimes we like making suggestions to God, don't we? Anybody guilty? And admit it. We like making suggestions to God. You know, we, we feel like maybe God's not doing things you know, sort of the, the right way, and He's kind of do, doing things a little different than what we would, we would expect. And so sometimes we come alongside God, and we want to help Him out, right? Hey, God, you, know, you probably should maybe think about doing it this way instead. Uh, I was, uh, heard about a pastor the other day, and, and he was, uh, uh, had the prompting of God to go and witness to this guy. 
So he called him up and said, hey, let's get together. Uh, let's go for a cup of coffee. Uh, and because uh, I want to meet with you. He says, great, fine. So he, they set up the appointment. But then God began to uh, uh, work on his heart. And, and I don't know if you know what a gospel track is. They're just little booklets that have uh, the gospel message in it. And oftentimes it may focus on you know, different areas that would maybe appeal to different, different people. Uh, you may have one that's you know, focused on sports and one's maybe focused on um, uh, you know, kids or whatever. But he had one that was actually cartoons. And he felt like God was leading him to take that cartoon track and read it to an adult man. And he's like, God, are you serious? God, let's talk about this. Uh, this, this is a, a cartoon here, you know. Uh, this is a cartoon track. You want me to take a cartoon track and read it to this guy? I mean, how about the Bible, right? Let's take the Bible. Let's take the Word of God. Let's go and, and, and use that in order to, to lead someone to Christ. And again, God says, no, I want you to use that track in order to share the gospel with this guy. So he meets up with this guy, and he's sitting across from him, and the whole time he's sitting there just having this debate going on with God. God, God, how about I just hand it to him and let him read it? You know, it's a cartoon for heaven's sake. No, nope, I want you to read it to him. So finally he, he said, hey, look, mate, uh, I, 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 I've got I've to read this to you. God's leading me to, to, to read you something. Can I read you something? Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. He says, but, but, but it's going to require me to, 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 to sit beside you. <laughs> Can I, can I sit beside you? And he's like, uh, okay, you know, it's kind of getting weird now. Uh, so he, anyway, he comes beside him, he sits beside him. So he sits down with him, and he goes through the track and goes through all the cartoons and things like that. And then when he got finished, he says, oh, well, well what, what do you think? He says, well, thanks for that, but, you know, I'm just not really interested. He's like, ah, oh, okay, all right, you know, see, God, I told you, you know. And he was going off on God. It's like, you know, now this guy thinks I'm absolutely stupid now. I'm reading him a cartoon. But anyway, he handed it to him. He says, look, just, uh, just hang on to it. And if you ever change your mind, you want to talk about it, just let me know. Well, he didn't hear back from him. And uh, it was a while. And, and one day he gets a, a phone call. And uh, God calls me. He says, hey, uh, Pastor, he says, I don't know if you remember me or not. Yeah, you met with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. And he says, hey, look, man, my brother's dying. He says, my brother's dying. He says, man, I, I don't know what to tell him. I don't know what to say. And he's going to be dying soon, and, and he don't have very long to live. And the guy said, hey, well, well do you remember that, that cartoon track that I, that I gave you? And, and we walked through it. He said, yeah, I still got it. He said, oh, you still got it? Yeah, I still got it. He says, we know how I, I, I sort of walked through you with that and, 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 and worked you th walked through that with you? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, why don't you do that with your brother? All right, okay. So he went and did this with his brother. And... Um, a few days later, he got a phone call saying that his brother had received Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, you and I, we think about that. He's like, oh, come on, God. You know, how, why would you leave, uh, have an unbeliever lead somebody to Christ? I mean, that's just not right. You know, that's not the way we do things. You know, send a pastor over there to go and witness to him, or, or maybe even another believer, somebody Christian. I mean, how can you go and give something that you yourself don't have? And we sort of work that through our minds. God, why would you do something like that? But you know what? It wasn't that individual that led him to Christ. God promises that his word would not return void, even if it is in cartoon. He promises his word would not return void. See, we probably wouldn't have done it that way. But it was the Father's prerogative. And if he chooses to use an unsaved man to deliver his message of salvation, then praise God. He predestined us according to the counsel 
of His will. Notice also, God, as, as attaining our inheritance, will be forever His glory. Attaining of our inheritance will be forever His glory. Look in verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of His glory. See, this is all about God's glory. This is why we were created. We are created for God's glory. God's glory did not, doesn't exist to satisfy the whim and the wishes of, of the believers. It is the believers that exist for the glory of God. When the believer is in the center of the will of God, he is living a life of fullness and of satisfaction and of joy. And when you're not living in the will of God, well then, there's trouble brewing for you. There's trouble brewing for you. Living in God's will and purpose adds meaning to life. And we exist today to praise His glory. And you know what? That's enough. That's enough. That's why we're here. Notice here, observe the words that says that we who first trusted in Christ. Now, these words suggest that the verses 11 and 12, Paul especially had in mind the Jewish believers whose hope was in the Messiah, if you look down through Scripture. And this was before he came, and then when he came, he's talking about those who accepted him immediately at the appearance of Jesus Christ. When he started his ministry, those who came and accepted him, the 12 disciples, but then also a little bit later with Paul himself who received the Jesus Christ, the one out of due time. He received Jesus Christ himself. And so the conversion of the Jews here um, before who hoped in the Messiah, they were the first stage in the realization of God's purpose to bring all of these subjects together in one harmonious body as it talks about in verse 10. All of those who are in Christ. And the second stage is implied in verses 13 and 14 where Paul shows that the Gentiles, Christians, he says, ye also are included in the same comprehensive purpose, which you'll hear more about that next week. But this is all for God's glory. But it's not just for God's glory. It's also Christ's delight. This inheritance is for those in Christ. It is the believers that are the praise of His glory. A little boy named Tom uh, spent uh, a few months working on a little sailboat. And he was putting it all together and, and uh, painting it and shaping it and, and putting the sails on and just getting it all just perfect. And after a, a couple of weeks, uh, or a couple of months rather, uh, he took it out for a test drive and, and he went out to the, the little river uh, where he lived and he put a string on it and he would let it send it out and uh, launch it out and the boat, I mean, it just handled the waves beautifully. And the wind caught it and the sails blew up and, and uh, filled the sails and it just pushed it down. And he was, just, he was just with delight. He loved it. He was so excited about that. And he would pull it in and send it off again. And he would spend hours just, just sending off, launching his, his boat over and over again. Well, one day he went out there and he launched his boat. But unfortunately, the, uh, the river uh, was much swifter than what he had planned. And so it caught the boat and it and it took it downstream, and it, and it did it so quickly and so hard that the, spring, the, the string broke on it. And so he found himself chasing the, 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 the boat. He was running down the banks trying to, trying to keep up with the boat, but of course he couldn't do it, and the, the boat just went off into the distance and went around the bend, and he spent days looking for 
his precious boat and never could find it. One day, coming home from school, he happened to, to go by a pawn shop there. And as he looked into the pawn shop, he saw a boat that he recognized. And so he went in there and had a look at it, and sure enough, that was his boat. And so he went to the manager, and he says, Hey, man, uh, I gotta tell you, that, that's my boat over there. And I spent months working on that, building that boat. And one day, he told him the whole story. I was out at the, the river and let it go, and it caught it, and it broke the string. And I've been looking for it. I've been searching for it, and I haven't been able to find it. And the manager said, Well, that's great. That's good. Uh, uh, we had somebody bring it in last week, and, and uh, if you want it, it's going to cost you $50. He thought about that. He says, all right, all right. So uh, he ran home, emptied out his piggy bank, got his money, and then scrounged up uh, 50 bucks. And he came back, and he handed the $50 to the guy. And he says, great, it's now yours. And so he grabbed the boat, and he was exiting the, the, the store there. And as he did, uh, he was embracing his boat. And he says, you know what? He says, now you are twice mine. Now you are twice mine. Once when I created you, and again, when I purchased you. Do you know why you are the praise of God's glory and of Christ's delight? Not only did He create us, but He also purchased us. And we are twice His. We are in Christ. So therefore, we have an inheritance in Him. I hear stories about people who get an inheritance their dire need of money and because of their lifestyle, and all of a sudden they get this big inheritance. However, in just a few years, they've burned through it all, they've blown it, they've uh, ran out of money, and they were probably in the same position, if not worse off, than they were before they received the inheritance. Their inheritance ran out, or those things that they had bought with the inheritance that broke down and worn out or got damaged or stolen. Whenever the Bible talks about treasures and wealth among some of the ancients there, it consists of clothing as well as gold, silver, gems, wine, land, and oil, and all those things. But, but as the Oriental's wealth is demonstrated, it is demonstrated in costly garments, beautifully, richly ornate articles of clothing. And so this is one of the reasons why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Matthew tells us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and whether thieves do not break in and steal. An understanding of the oriental concept of wealth accounts for the use of the word moth here. When we speak of wealth ourselves, we think of maybe gold, silver, and lands, and houses, and whatnot. But whenever the Hebrews spoke of wealth, they thought first how this could be displayed. And it would include, uh, essential part of that would be include these splendid articles of dress that we see. And we remember uh, Achan got in trouble for that whenever they went into Jericho. Uh, God says, don't touch anything. And what did he do? He, go and gra- he went and grabbed some of those articles of clothing. Because that was, to him, that was wealth. And so the moth is a small insect that, that finds its ways into clothes and garments and it destroys them. And the moth would destroy their apparel. Rust would destroy their silver and gold. And consequently, all their treasures would be a waste. The word rust signifies anything that eats into or would consume one's property. And it may have a broader meaning and understanding than what we think of when we talk about rust. The houses in the east were frequently made of hardened clay by the sun. 
or loose stones, and it's quite easy, and in fact, it's not uncommon for thieves to sort of dig through the walls in order to gain interest into the house in order to steal. However, when it comes to our eternal inheritance, the inheritance that we have in Christ, hey, listen, it will never run out. We don't have to worry about a rival brother or sister coming and, and uh, making claim on our inheritance. You know, you see that in the news today when uh, the father has some long-lost kid that nobody knows about, and all of a sudden when they pass away, they show up on the scene, they're wanting their, their part, they're wanting their cut. We don't have to worry about that with our internal inheritance. Moths and rust and thieves won't be a problem for us. You see, our inheritance is permanent because we are in Christ. Having this knowledge should encourage all of us to be all in because we have an inheritance that is way out of this world. It is awesome. And so that should encourage us. God has provided an inheritance for those who are in Christ. If that is a need that you have here this morning, man, I'd love nothing more than to show you how you can become part of God's family how you can have access to that inheritance that we've been talking about, that you can be a child of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If that's a need that you have, you can see me afterwards or set up an appointment with me. I'd love to show you how you can be saved because God provides an inheritance for those who are in Christ. So let me encourage you to be in Christ here this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for all that you have for us. And Lord, when we think about all the blessings that we have of being in Christ, Lord, we can get excited about the inheritance that we have. And Lord, I pray that maybe if there's some here that know Christ as Savior, that before they leave here today, Lord, they can have that assurance that they know when they die, they will spend eternity in heaven. And so, Lord, we're grateful for that. And we thank you, Lord. And we ask it all in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.